Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. Uh, it is it is good to be with all of you. I was telling Randy this morning, it's always good when you get asked to come back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been in places I didn't get asked to come back. So anyway, it is what it is. But, I, but it's good to be with you. If you will, open up your Bible to 2 Chronicles. We're going to jump back into the Old Testament. And i got to kind of uh, share with you just a little bit about where I am and where I think we're going to be for as long as the Lord tarries. But when, but when I first heard about the opportunity to be here, I really took some time to seek the Lord, and God really gave me a confirmation and a peace. This is where I need to be, and this is where we need to be. And actually, as a family, uh, we, we just had a peace that, that this is what the Lord intended. And it wasn't long after that, I just you know, began to seek the Lord about not just this Sunday, but just uh, preaching and what we needed to really focus on. And as a, and as a preacher, and, and preaching for a long time, the... the, the you know, the challenge sometimes is why well, I could go back and preach messages that I preached before and different things, and, and probably has a lot to do with a man by the name of Henry Blackerby and experiencing God. I don't know if you've ever gone through any of those studies, but I'm in a devotional right now of his, and, uh, and, and really there were two words that really, I guess, are on the screen now uh, that really kept coming into my heart and my mind, and it was encountering God. And, and so when, when, I mean, when this just kept coming back, I said, okay, Lord. I said, okay, so, so is that what you want me to really kind of focus on is encountering you? I mean, that seems odd and somewhat audacious, I mean, you know, to preach on about encountering the Lord. Uh, and then, then I began to think about scriptures, and I thought, well, where can you not go and find God at work and God revealing himself and God doing a plan amongst his people? And so the, the scripture is full of moments where the Lord encounters His people and reveals Himself. And so it was in this vein uh, that God just kind of brought me here to Second Chronicles, really chapters 5, 6, and, and, and a little bit into 7. And I know, you're thinking, how in the world is He going to preach three chapters in 30 minutes? I'm not! That's the, that's the thing. I mean, we got to, what, 11, right? I'm just teasing. I'm playing. <laughs> Y'all want to rethink that now. You're like, no, no, I haven't come back. No, it, it is a lot, but I really want to kind of center on, um, and, th and this right here, let, let me say this. This is Solomon's prayer of dedication of the temple. The temple had been uh, built. Uh, God had purposed it in the heart of his father, but David wasn't allowed. But it was going to be, as, uh, as the scripture says in 6, his own flesh and blood that would actually build this temple. And now they have come to this point where the temple has been built. There's an incredible an incredible facility that has been made. And, uh, and now we come to the, this prayer of dedication. And that's really what, where I want to get into uh, this morning in chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 14 of Second Chronicles. So we're kind of jumping into the middle of this passage, and you can go back and read the whole thing. We don't have time this morning. And he begins here at the very beginning, and, and, and the first thing I want us to see is the foundation of Solomon's prayer. He begins in verse 14, 14, he says, O Lord, God of Israel, there is none like you in heaven or on earth. And, and let me pause here just a minute because the first thing that, that comes out of his mouth as he begins to pray is the exaltation of the Lord. In, in other words, it's a good habit when we begin to pray to recognize who we're praying to. And Solomon, even in all of his uh, 
uh, wherewithal that he was able to build this temple. God had led him to do this. He recognizes, Lord, even, even his audacious supplication that we're going to get to in just a minute, that God would inhabit this place, that God would do something special and show up in a unique way among his people. I mean, that's a big prayer. He recognizes at the very beginning that, that there is none like you. Now, I mean, I, and, and, and let me say to us together, we need to have a healthy dose of remembering that God is God, very God, not anything like me and you, any place, anywhere. His people who are called by His name. We are, yes, he, we're made in His image. Yes, there's a lot of likeness. But listen, there's one Lord God Almighty, and He uh, is nothing like we've ever known or ever will know. And, 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 and in a great sense, there's this otherness. I mean, he recognizes that. And so it not only is the foundation, but it's the posture of the praying. I mean, it really is. I mean, he humbles himself before God and recognizes that, yes, he's going to ask him to, to, to indwell this place, this temple, but he also recognizes the awesomeness and the mightiness and the incredible otherness of the one that he's talking to. And, and in addition to that, he not only exalts him, but he says, you are the keeper of the covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father, and with your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it. So in the exaltation of God, not only does he exalt him, but he begins to praise the Lord very specifically. He, sp he specifically begins to praise him. He lifts him up and begins to praise him for his covenant of love. Now, I, I, I mean, I, again, one of the confirmations of the message this morning, you'll see, I mean, for me it's obvious, is this thing above my head up here that says the Lord is good is what? His steadfast love endures forever. And it's out of Psalm 100. But it's right here in the context of this prayer of dedication. In fact, the praise that the people of God begin to praise the Lord with, it, it's, it's back in chapter 5, it's in chapter 6, is this right here. It says God is good and His love endures forever. Now, hang on just a minute, because when we think oftentimes of the Old Testament, and, we, and we, when we read through that through the lens of Christ, oftentimes you think about Old Testament, you think about laws, which there are, and decrees, and God is holy other and holy separate, and absolutely. But notice where Solomon is and where the people of God are. When they begin to this prayer, this journey of encountering the Lord here on this day, their heart is filled with the reality that His covenant, His relationship with them is rooted in love. That surpasses knowledge, as Paul would say. His grace is on the forefront of their mind. His love that is steadfast, never-ending, doesn't end. Even when our love fails, when our love falls short, His love never ends. And so what's amazing to me is the, the posture, the foundation of this whole time of praying is built on this incredible, credible Thought, this process, this moment where they are overwhelmed with God's covenant of love. Not only that, but they begin to praise Him because He's not only a covenant, uh, His covenant love, He's a covenant keeper, but also of His word. He keeps His word and His promises. And He's reminded here, He says, you, The word that you spoke to my father David, now you've brought forth. You've promised it, but now with your hand you have fulfilled it. And, and again, at the very beginning of this prayer, and it would do us good to remember as we begin this journey together, and that's kind of what I envision, this journey together, that God is a God of love. Listen, I mean, listen, I'm 52 years old, and I've, I've, I've been preaching in, in, in for probably, I don't know, 30-something years now. I've lost count. 
And listen, there's not one of us in this house this morning, I'm assuming. You know what happens when you assume. But I'm assuming there's not one of us in the house this morning that hadn't messed up, made mistakes, fallen short, feel like you've let down the Lord, you didn't follow through with the commitment you said you were going to do. All You you do the list. That's, That's not the focus of our relationship with the Lord. God knows that we've messed up, fallen short, did things maybe not the way that he wanted. But, but what does he want to us to, to be rooted in? The foundation is this. His love, his agape love. He doesn't look at your shortcomings. and He looks at you now through the lens of Christ. Listen, we're in the new covenant. I get that. Jesus came, died, and rose again. And because of that, it's changed everything in our world and our life. And so when he looks at me and you, he looks at us clothed in the righteousness, the love, the grace, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So even when we mess up, we can come to him. Why? Because he is a God of love. His love never ends. Never runs short. So I just want to remind us here. And and again, what amazes me is Solomon is just overwhelmed with that. The people of God are overwhelmed with his love and his promise. Um, he is a keeper of his word. You can count on it. I know there's a good hymn that says, Standing on the promises of God, and it's true. It's true. Uh, Royce mentioned it earlier in days that seem uncertain, in difficult moments, whatever. Even in this transition time of some interim pastor coming in, standing on the promises of God. God is faithful and true. And the people of God are just overwhelmed in this moment. It's the, it's the foundation that really allow Solomon to pray such an audacious prayer. And he does. When he begins to pray, and you'll see this in the structure of of Solomon's prayer in the coming verses here. I'm glad there's a clock there, because I thought, man, goodness, how am I going to know what time it is and what time I'm supposed to end? And I looked up, and I saw the clock. Thank you, Michael. I said, I appreciate y'all. I lose myself sometimes. I apologize. Bible study starts at what time? Uh, 10 15. Thank you, Gavin. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm assuming y'all go. But anyway, um, I just didn't want to override them, the teachers. You know what I'm saying? I get a little digress. Sometimes I'm a little ADD again. Anyway, all right, we'll hang in there. Hang with me. Uh, no, no, thank you. I appreciate it. You might. Some others will say, no, no, we're good. <laughs> I get it. I know how that works. Listen, I know. All right, so, uh, so this is the foundation. But look at the structure here. And, and really, the, a big chunk of the following of chapter 6 really kind of outlines Solomon begins to specifically ask God for certain things. He wants, he's asking God to show up and make himself known to his people in specific ways. Look in verse 19. He begins this. He goes, uh, Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. O Lord my God, hear the cry of the prayer of your servant is praying in, in your presence. May your eyes be open towards this temple day and night. May this place which you've said would be put here, that your name be here. That you, that, may you hear the prayer of your servant, uh, praise towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. And so at the very beginning of of his prayer, his list here, he's asking very specifically, he says, God, watch over us. He says, Lord, I want you to be watchful over us. I mean, we need you. I mean, I think we've said that several times this morning. But he is asking God, God, watch over us. We need help. Solomon probably is all too well aware of human frailty and and, and, the, and the, as we sang, sang earlier, our hearts are prone to wonder. And he says, listen, I need you to watch over us. Yes, I'm the king. Yes, we have leadership. Yes, but Lord, without you watching over us, we're in trouble. 
And so he, his audacious prayer says, God, watch over us. Be watchful over us. In verse 22, he goes on, When a man wrongs his neighbor and is required to take an oath and comes and swears the oath before your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and act. Judge between the, the people, the servants, repaying the guilty, bringing them down on their own head what he has done. Declare the innocent who's not guilty. And so establish his innocence. In other words, he says, not only do you watch over us, but Lord, we need you to be our judge. Uh, we need you to be the defender. We need you to be the one who's watching over us. But we also need you to help us make decisions when we wrong one another. Now, it's interesting because, I mean, literally in the midst of it, I mean, again, I, I, I get it. Solomon understands humanity. And, and I tell people all the time when I'm working at Glenwood, we're in the people business. Listen, at some point, somewhere, somebody's going to get on your nerves. It happened. Why? Because we're people. I guarantee I'm going to get on your nerves at some point. I may already have. But, I mean, but, what, thank you. but what happens, what, what happens, you know, if, if God's not in the midst of it, then oftentimes we decide what we think is best in the moment. And oftentimes we just mess it up. We can, we can mess up relationships in a heartbeat because we're not really seeking God's wisdom or His guidance, His, His direction or His judgment in the midst of it. I mean, we, this isn't a marriage thing, but we can talk about relationships at any level, with your children, with your spouse, with your in-laws, outlaws, whatever you want to call them. We're in the relationship business. And here's what Solomon's saying. God, we need you to make decisions between us. Now, he doesn't stop there. Verse 24, he goes on to say, When your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy, because they've sinned against you and they've turned their back, uh, when they turn back and confess your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave them and their fathers. So in one sense, I mean, he begins to, again, in his specific asking of the Lord, he's saying, God, I need you to be our restorer. I need you to be the one when we have done wrong, sinned against you, gone in the wrong direction, headed in the wrong direction, whatever it may be. Lord, when you bring conviction, not only do we need conviction and cleansing and all that good stuff, but God, we need you to restore us and bring us back to where you want us to be. And thanks be to God this morning. Aren't you happy? God's a restorer of people. I mean, I have seen it. I've witnessed it. People at odds with one another will come back together in Jesus' name. It's, a, it's amazing. Churches that will come back to a place where God was called them to be and has designed them and, and, and given them a mission and a calling in the world. God will bring them back. And he'll restore them and oftentimes bless them in ways they never even understood. Solomon recognized this. God, we, there's going to come a point where we stray. We sin. God, we need healing. We need forgiveness. But we need you to restore us. And so he asks God to do that. Not only does he ask for that, but he goes on in verse 26. He says, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain. Because your people have sinned. Let me pause here just a minute. Uh, it's interesting to me. Um, uh, I've had a few times where I've been able to go outside of this country and, and do mission work in other places. And I will tell you, when, when, when God's people in other places, in other words, if you've ever been somewhere uh, where it can be very difficult to get food or, or, your, or your crops are depending on the rain that comes from the heavens. I mean, there are people in this land as well. I get that. But when you get outside of here, uh, there aren't doctor's offices on other corners. There's not prescription drugs. I remember praying for a baby and a mom and the baby had a fever. No one knew. There was no doctor around. I mean, in those moments, I mean, I'm telling you, when you come back to the necessities of life, the basics of living, 
There, there's something about, even in Solomon's praying, he says, when the, listen, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain. I mean, so in other words, he's like, something's not right around here in this natural world that you created is showing us that, that we need to come before God and be sincere and say, God, what, what is it? Have we done something that has hindered this, uh, what, what you want to do this bringing of rain? Now, not every time, I understand it, but there's a sensitivity. Oftentimes in our day, we explain things in so many other ways. Than just the simplicity of, hey, maybe we've offended the Lord. Maybe we've done something wrong. Anyway, so he comes to that point. He says, when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain. And your people have sinned against you. And they pray toward this place. Confess your name. Turn from their sin that you've afflicted them with. Hear from heaven and forgive. And then listen to this. Teach them the right way to live. And send rain on the land. In other words... Solomon is acknowledging up front, and he's praying. He says, God, there's going to come times we're going to stray, we're going to mess up. And some of it, it's out of ignorance. We really don't know. I don't know if you've ever been blessed to do something you didn't know. Yes. But it was wrong, but then you do know. And God will bring to your attention, right? Or sometimes maybe you're doing something, you think this is what I need to be doing, need to be doing. Then God makes it real clear, this is not what you're supposed to be doing, Right? Now, in those moments, that's what Solomon's praying for. He says, God, we need your help. So what is he saying? He said, Lord, we need you to be our instructor. We need you to be our leader, our guide, or our teacher in this moment. And let me say to you that God will, will lead and guide and direct. Now, yes, I'm preaching the Word of God, and I will preach the Word of God as long as God tears, tears me to be here. And I'm assuming the teachers are teaching the Word of God. But in a very simple, practical, personal way, God wants to lead you. Personally, He wants you to call upon His name personally and God will open up this word and speak to your heart and lead you even when you don't know what to do. He will guide. He will open doors. He will give you a sense of peace that passes all understanding and He will lead. Solomon saying, we need your help. We need you to be our instructor. In verse 28, he goes on. He says, when famine and plague comes into the land or, or mildew locusts and grasshoppers and all this is besieged on the people whenever disaster or disease may come. He goes on, verse 3, he says, Then hear from heaven, forgive and deal with each man according to what he's done, since he know his heart. He goes on, so that they, uh, he says, For you alone know the hearts of men, so they will fear you and walk in your ways, and they will live in the land that you gave our fathers. So he's saying this, when sickness hits us, when things happen and we don't understand, when there is something that happens to the people of God, he says, God, we need you to be our healer. Now, again, I am so thankful. Listen, many of you are in the medical field, and I am so thankful. Thankful, 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 thankful for how God has blessed us richly and amazingly in this world, in this land, uh, with medical supplies and all kinds of things. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, I, I, I mean that sincerely. You, you need to get your annual checkups. You need to get your stuff. And I mean, you do. I'm, just, I'm being straight up with you. You need to get those things. That's good. Um, yeah, Solomon also recognizes here in a very simple way, God, you are our healer. If God so chooses to use medicine or some kind of way or a doctor or a surgery or procedure, then blessed be the name of the Lord. But God is the one, he's the author and finisher of your faith. And he is able, listen to this, this is what Solomon's praying, he is able to heal. Heal. And he goes way beyond the physical ailments of whatever happens in this life. But listen, God is able to heal the emotional side. The pain, the suffering, the grief, whatever it is. God is able to put the salve, the balm again, and just apply it to our heart in a unique way and deliver us and bring healing to our hearts. Is he not? 
Has God not able to be able to do that? Yes. And Solomon's saying, we need you to be our healer. We need you to be our healer. He goes on in verse 32. And he talks about foreigners in the land, people that come from other places. Distant lands, he says, because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When he comes, he's talking about this person that doesn't even know you. When they come and they pray in this place, then hear from heaven. Uh, he says, do whatever the, they ask of you. Why? So all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel. So what is he saying here? God, we need you to be our proclaimer. God, and, and, and in a real sense, see Solomon built this ornate, wonderful, magnificent structure. And in, in his audacious praying, he's asking God to fill it to, it, 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 to dwell in this place. But he also knows, God, this is not fit for you. You're, you're, you're totally other than this. Here, here's his prayer here. God, make your name great through this place. So it's not just us who are gathered here, but people in distant lands will begin to hear about what you're doing and they'll come. And they'll listen, and they'll meet with you, and they'll sense your presence. And all of a sudden, they'll begin to cry out to you, and you'll answer their prayer, and they'll go home, and they'll tell everybody about it. And that's exactly what takes place in the nation of Israel. And yet, he's, you sense the prayer of Solomon here. So audacious. God, make your name great. Let it go before us. Let the glory of God just go out of this place and impact the world around us. So he asked, he said, God, we need you to do that. And let me say this. Listen, I know, Brandy, you're in marketing. Listen, my son's in marketing, too, and all that. And listen, we market well. And I'm not picking on Brandy, yeah, but I can call. There's some people you can call out in church, and it's okay. You call out some people, you're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? So, but, um, but he's in marketing. And listen, we're in a marketing world today, are we not? Everybody wanting to push content, right, and all that stuff and whatever, and wanting to make their name great and push it. I mean, even churches, we get all in that. We're pushing stuff and doing that. And I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm not saying, oh, we shouldn't do that. No, no, no. Listen, please hear this. When God begins to bless his people, when God begins to speak through his people, when God begins to proclaim his name through his people, Listen, you don't need content on social media. All of a sudden, the world will begin to stand up and recognize, man, God is in the midst of His people in this place. And all of a sudden, people will begin to be healed in ways God will move in their hearts. And next thing you know, man, that, His fame, His glory is going out in ways that you never even dreamed of. Why? Because God is able to do it. And that's what Sol Solomon's saying there. Listen, we got all the resources of the world. Listen, you, we don't have near the resources Solomon had. But he said, look, my resources will run dry. It's not about how much I have. It's about who you are, Lord. And I need you to work in and through this place for your glory. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about His will, His purpose, His, His ways. But make no mistake, but He is asking. He said, God, let it be known. He goes on in verse 34. When your people go to war against enemies and uh, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you towards the city you have chosen, I built in your name, then hear from heaven... Their prayer, their plea, and uphold their cause. And what is he saying? He's, he says, God, we need you to be our defender. Defender. When we go to war. Listen, we're in a battle. We know that. And, 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 and it may be a literal war. There may be people here you know right now that are out there on the front lines in the world that we serve. Battling. But there's also battles that go on the inside. Battles that are all around us spiritually. Battles when we go to work. Right? Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy every single person. It calls upon the name of the Lord. 
And, and Solomon recognized, listen, we need you. And yes, Solomon had all the resources in the world. He had everything you can imagine. But he recognized, God, we need you to uphold our cause. We need you to defend us when we're going to battle, going to war. And then last in verse 36, he says, when they sin against you, your people. You know, it's interesting, Solomon, how many times has he said when your people sin against you? I mean, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, the good news, one of my favorite verses in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we are faithful, um, it says that, that, that when you sin, if you're faithful to confess, that God is faithful to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so grateful for that. Listen, listen, I, I, listen there's not one of us in here this room today that is sinless. There, it's not going to happen on this side of glory. It will not happen. But thanks be to God, God is full of grace, God of love. But over and over again, he, he begins to say, when your people sin against you, and he goes on to say uh, that sin has impact and consequences. And all of a sudden, literally, he talks about being held in captivity. And I mean, when you read the story of the nation of Israel, this is what happens, unfortunately. But he goes on to say, he says, when they've done wrong and acted wickedly, if they turn back to you, even if they're not here and they're in some distant land, when they call upon your name and they remember this and they turn from their wicked ways and they turn back to you with all their heart, with all their soul, he literally says, hear from heaven, hear their prayer, their pleas, uphold their cause, and forgive. And so once again, Solomon just acknowledges in his prayer, he's saying, God, we need you to be our forgiver. It, I mean, it, this really could be a, a whole book on just humanity and the things that we struggle with. But, but let, let me remind us here, even this morning, Church, my heart, my prayer is that God will be watching over us, that He will be the judge, He will be the one that would declare, He would be the one leading and guiding in all the relationships, He would be the restorer. There may be some of you here today that, that are lacking in some certain way in your life, but God is able to restore you personally. Instruction, His leadership, His guidance, I mean, God, please let that come forth today, even so now. Our healer, there may be some of you here this morning that are struggling. I mean, could be sick physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever's going on. But you need God to heal and to bring healing and deliverance. And God, please, let your name go forth in great ways for your glory. God, defend your people here. Stand up on our calls. And, and as we advance the gospel and, 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 and continue to proclaim your word, God, defend us. And please, in Jesus' name. God, let your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness flood our hearts and our minds here, even so now. So when I go through this prayer, I can't help but to think about us. I, when I read the Old Testament, listen, when we, when we read the Old Testament, it's, it's through the lens of Christ. I understand that. But God's Word is God's Word. It's inspired. It's infallible. I mean, I, I believe God... Has, has, has penned all these words, and his word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And his word in Solomon's day, yes, for their people, can also be for our people today, for us. And I believe that. So as I'm going through this, I'm saying, God, yes, amen, let this be, let this be. Now what's interesting, it's one thing to praise something, it's another thing when God speaks. You know, and it's one thing to have an audacious prayer. Like, I don't know if you've ever prayed audaciously. I mean, really believing and depending on the Lord to just come through and do something that only God can do. And all of a sudden, it's one thing to pray it. It's another thing when God confirms it. And all of a sudden, here's what happened. Ver chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 
The confirmation of God. In other words, God from heaven above said, yes, I'm pleased with you. Yes, how does he do this? This fire, literal fire, comes down and over. It just consumes the sacrifice. You know, Matthew, Matthew Henry, one of the commentators, said that there was grace even in that. Said this fire only consumed the sacrifice. Could have consumed all kinds of things in that moment. But it didn't just stop there. The Bible says that he filled the temple with his glory. His personal presence. Some commentators talk about the Shekinah glory. The presence of God invaded that place. Unmistakable. There's no way getting around it. His presence was so real, so thick, the priest couldn't even go into the temple. It was so thick. In fact, if you notice, the only response, and the only, let me say this, the only appropriate response when God shows up and confirms and reveals himself in that way. Look at here in verse, thir- uh, verse 3. When the Israelites saw the fire coming, from da- coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord. What did they sing? That God is good and his love endures forever. Hang on for just a minute. Listen. They're overwhelmed with the presence of God. And what's interesting is what comes to their heart is that verse right there. They're overwhelmed with his love, his grace, his mercy. The willingness that God confirms and says, I'm going to show up among my people and I'm going to bless my people and I'm going to do for my people all these things. And the reaction of his people is just to fall down on their face before him and what? Give thanks. Thanks. So now we come to this place where I'm, I'm going to share with you. Because when I, when I looked at this, I kind of back up for me. Okay, what's, what's, what, what is it going on here, Lord? What, what do you want us to know today? When we survey this whole situation, what are our takeaways? And there's three principles here that I just want to share with you. What I believe God has for us. I'm talking about us today. Me and you, as long as God. I mean, I think His people. But, it, but we're here together, here in this place. And there's three words that come to my mind as, as you survey what happened here in this whole two and a half chapters. The first word is preparation. In other words, when you look at what happened here in Solomon's day, and even back in chapter 5, we don't have time to read it, but there was great preparation of the people of God to meet with God on this day. There was great preparation. I mean, you'll go, I mean, go back and read chapter 5. We don't have time. But read it. There were there was specific ways that they approached. They brought up the Ark of the Covenant. And there were specific ways that they did that. Specific people held certain roles. And there was, a, there was a structure. There was preparation. They had sacrifices and all these different things that were going on. Even, even the bringing of the Ark into the temple. There was a certain way that it was done. There was great preparation that took place. And in one sense, preparation is physical. It's external. And that's what's going on here. There was a physical preparation for God people to meet with the Lord on this day. But there's also another side of preparation. I would submit to you there was a spiritual preparation as well. Somewhat internal. If you notice when the Ark of the Covenant back in chapter 5, it's the same, it's the same song. When they bring the Ark of the Covenant in here, and they're accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments, and they raise their voices in praise to the Lord, and they begin to sing, what? God is good, and His love endures forever. Listen to me, church. You can't... Listen. 
God's desire is to burn inside of our hearts a song. You know, the Bible speaks about singing. I don't know if you're ever going to get up on stage and sing with the praise team up here, but that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God doing a work in you and through you, and God changes you, touches you, and all of a sudden there's a song inside your heart. The Bible talks about a new song. You know what that song is about? God is good. And His love endures forever. And so the whole people begin to sing it. They begin to praise Him almost spontaneously. They fall down. They begin to worship. What that tells me, as I step back and look at the Scripture, God's people were prepared to encounter God on this day. Physically, yes. Things were in the right order. Things were ready. But spiritually, they were ready to meet with Him. The next word is this, anticipation. I would submit to, the, admit to you, I would submit to you that to be physically and spiritually prepared to meet and to encounter the God leads us to an anticipation that we will encounter the Lord as we gather together in this place. So, so in other words, when they were doing all their preparation, when they gathered and they brought the Ark of the Covenant, when you get through the whole prayer and you get through the very end, when God shows up and fire comes down from heaven, it's as if the people expected to really hear from the Lord on this day. It wasn't like, oh gosh, we're doing a good thing. Let's go up here to the temple today and hang out and see what happens. No, no, there was an anticipation. We're ready. Uh, let me say it this way. Your preparation will lead to your anticipation of meeting with the Lord. Right? I'm, I'm not just being, can I be real honest with you? If I'm not real prepared, hmm, we probably just going to go through the motions today. I mean, really, I'm just being honest. If that's too honest for you, hang on. I'm just being real. It's the same thing with all of us. Every person in this room has to be ready, prepared, physically and spiritually, to meet with the Lord. You know, what's amazing is that when you begin to get prepared, you'll kind of anticipate, you'll kind of sense in your heart, man, God's about to do something, or God will speak, or God will reveal. And all of a sudden, in this day, Solomon's day, God does. Why? Because He's faithful and He's true. And things haven't changed today as well. When we gather in this place, yes, we need to be prepared physically and spiritually, but we also need to anticipate Yes, God will speak. Now, I'm going to be straight up with you. Listen, I'm a preacher, and all preachers want you to think that pre the messages are great, and that's what's really going to get you this morning. Boy, you're going to learn from that. Going to come out of, you're going to be quoting that scripture all, day, all week long. But can I, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes when I've gathered with God's people, it's not the message that God uses in the moment. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's just being here. And God just does what God wants to do. And in His way, He'll just speak to a heart. And all of a sudden, in that moment, you will just, Thank you, Lord. I needed to hear from you today. It just rolls out of your mouth when God begins to speak. Thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful today. So there's an anticipation. The last thing is this, the third word. In other words, my preparation leads to anticipation. Anticipation leads to revelation. God making himself known. Now what's interesting here, in, in Solomon's day, over and over again, he wants to, God to hear from heaven, hear from heaven, hear from heaven. Over 12 times in this few passages, this few verses, hear from heaven. He wanted God to pay attention, to listen, but not just there, but act. Over and over and over again. 
Hear from heaven is coupled with forgiveness. Friend, if there's anything that we ought to hear from the Lord consistently and daily and in our life is His grace and His forgiveness. God is an amazing, wonderful God. There's a song, by the way, if you don't know, Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. How sweet the sound. If you're listening. You with me? Gavin, if you don't mind, come on up here if you will. We're just going to take a moment this morning. And please don't, please, don't, please don't leave me yet. Just stay with me just for a moment. Because we're, we're just going to have a simple little invitation here. And it's real, it's real simple. Real simple. Listen, I, I love uh, God's Word. And I love the fact that God brought me and led me to be with you today. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity and humbled. And I'm so grateful how God moved in Solomon's day. And I'm so thankful that he had the willingness to pray this. And I'm so thankful that in scripture we have his word to to help us today to remind us that we me and you need to be prepared physically and spiritually when we gather together and in doing that God will stir our hearts to anticipate hearing from him and listening from him and encountering him consistently together and what God wants to say who knows But he may just want to whisper into your ear, you're forgiven. My grace is sufficient for whatever you're encountering today. So my hope right now, if you will, just stand with me right now. We're just going to take a couple minutes. But it may be right now, if you will, it may be, if you will, just bow your heads with me. We're just going to take a moment to pray together. And it may be, it may be right now, you might just need to be honest with the Lord and say, God, I wasn't real prepared today to meet with you. Please don't hear guilt. It's okay. God's a God of forgiveness and His grace and His mercy. And just acknowledge that. But maybe you're here today and you're and you're you are hearing from the Lord and you're anticipating that. And 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 Lord, right now, I just want to ask you. That you would just knock on the door of our heart loud and clear. And God, that you would allow your people to open up that door. And God, there would be a sense of intimacy. God, in one sense, may the fire of heaven fall amongst your people here. That there would be clarity and understanding. It would be such a known that you're here, that you're present that you're alive and well. God, encounter us. God, right now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today, for this place, for us gathering in your name. And I do pray, Father, as in Solomon prayed, God, that this place will be filled with your presence. Make your name great. May the healing and the forgiveness of God, God, give us wisdom and instruction. God, you've called us here for a reason. You've placed us here for a reason, for your purpose, for your will, for your ways. God, I just ask that you would speak.
Lord, we love you. We praise you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated this morning.